The following episode of From the Point contains explicit language and behavior that may not be suitable for young audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Thank you. And a spectacular save. Wright decides not to freeze the puck. Moves the puck over to Dan Gilbert. Gilbert misses a check. Moves it on up to Steven Webster. Webster with a cross-eyes pass to Twin Matt. Coach has got to be real happy with the way the team is playing right now. Matt sends it to the corner for Joe Gilbert. Joe with a pass back to Chris Haney. Haney with a one-timer from the point, And he scores! Let's go! Everybody, and this is from the point. My name is Chris, and I'm Joe, and we are here to discuss some. Uh, just have a little bit of fun for this episode. Uh, you know, past couple episodes have been kind of up and down with the emotions. So, uh, you know, we're I, this one, Joe. I think I just want to have some fun with. What do you, What do you think? Well, it's been a while. Uh, it, it has been since the playoffs since we've actually had. A podcast. Yeah, no kidding. So welcome back, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> welcome back. Joe, what what have you been since, uh, what have you been going through? What's been going on in Joe's life since our last recording? Oh, plenty. <laughs> Where to even begin? It's kind of been a trying year. I'm not going to go into too many details about it because I'd like to uh, keep some of this within the family. But there's been some family things that have gone sure. on that have been kind of trying over the last year and whatnot, and they've kind of still, they've still kind of accumulated a little bit uh, at, to even this point right now. So I'm not going to dwell on it too much because I don't want to get in a dark place because we're here to discuss Blues Hockey, which was in a dark place the last time we even did a podcast because what happened? Well... We got swept. <laughs> and, and I honestly think that not only the that we got swept, but the way that we got swept and everything else like that, I think that leads to why, at least for me, I wanted to take a little bit of time. I went on vacation and, and did all sorts of stuff like that, but I really wanted to be in a better place when recording the next episode instead of, you know, in such a dark area that, that we were in, um, you know, 15 teams lost in the playoffs. Only one, one team made it out, but it was the way that we lost, um, that really hurt the most. But I I really want to, you know, be able to talk about not just the blues playoffs, but really what made this year's playoffs special. You know, there was definitely some high points, there was definitely some low points, and uh, I think conversationally wise, uh, that's the direction that that we should be be going with in this episode. Not just to celebrate the Blues, but to celebrate the National Hockey League as a whole. Um, before we dive into any of that stuff, though, uh, Joe, if someone were to want to ask us a question or really interact with us as a podcasting dynamic duo? How would they do that? 
Again, it has been a while, so we'll give you a nice little reminder here. Mm -hmm. So, if you want to interact with From the Point whatsoever on social media, it's simple. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you name it. We're at From the Point PC. That PC stands for podcast. If you want to find us on any streaming platform, and there's a ton of them available Mm -hmm. that we're on, I prefer Spotify because that's what I usually use. Same thing from the point PC. Easy peasy, right? As an Apple user, why do you use Spotify? I'm just curious. It kind of is a default uh, going into my musician life because I'm accustomed to a lot of fellow musicians giving me set lists over Spotify. So just out of force of habit, I've, I've used Spotify for years, and that was before I used Apple products. I gotcha. And the fun little fact is I, I'm newer to the Mac world. Um, I got my first iPhone in 2018, and um, I got my first iMac, which I'm recording on tonight, last year during the pandemic. Excellent. So that's the reason why I use Spotify. Well... I, I was just curious. I have, uh, I, I've over the last probably two, three years, I've absolutely fallen in love with Spotify. But for whatever reason, my default for any podcast has has just been the the Apple Podcast app. I don't know if it's because you know it's on my computer, on my phone, or whatnot. We're going off on a tangent about <laughs> about podcasting apps. So let's go ahead and dive into the meat and potatoes of this episode, shall we? I think that would be beautiful. So in one of the last podcasts that we recorded, um, we had predicted, uh, we'll, we'll go into more granular with the blues and then we'll talk about everyone else. But we had predicted, um, I predicted that the blues would lose in five. You had said the blues would win in seven. Um, and that did not happen. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche mm-hmm. brought out the brooms and they swept us up one way and down the other. I, I didn't think that we would win, but I didn't think we would lose in that fashion. What were some of the reasons, at least from a from a blues podcaster and fan point of view, why did it go down that way? What were some of your big takeaways from that? I think the big takeaway for me is the fact that it's inconsistency. It was the name of the game for the whole season. Right. From start of the regular season all the way until we got bounced out. We just had an inconsistent season. Right. You know, I thought that going into the playoffs, we had enough momentum going our way Mm -hmm. that we would build off of that. And especially that chemistry between Ryan uh, Riley and David Perron to get us further than just the first round. Now, did I count the Blues to go all the way and hoist the cup this year? I'm going to tell you right now, no, I didn't. Who did you have? I think who, was, who did you have real quick? I had, begrudgingly, and I think I jinxed them. <laughs> I'm, sure that, I'm sure that their fan base would come after my head. I had Toronto winning the cup, and it was a very begrudging prediction when I had it. And I'm sure that I'm sure that Steve Dangle is probably 
um, looking for me once uh, the border opens up between the U.S. and Canada. So did 90% of Canada. They had they had Toronto going, but we'll, we'll talk about them here in a little bit. So um, you mentioned the chemistry between Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron. And right before the playoffs started, uh, David Perron was tested positive for COVID. And because of that, he was not able to play in the first round of the playoffs. Um, had it gone longer, we probably would have seen him game five, you know, six, seven. But for the first four games, he was unable to play because of said coronavirus. That's a huge kick in the knockers right there, buddy. Yeah, it's something that I was actually leaving you to uh, mention that he uh, tested positive for COVID. Yeah, so it's a huge blow. It, it was he was literally the heart and soul of the team this year. And with him out, that definitely led us to being swept. Do I think it was something that led us to an earlier exit than the Stanley Cup? I still don't think it makes a difference. Sure. I think if he was healthy, we maybe have won two games based off of the way that we were playing against Colorado. I don't think that it would have mattered. I think the abs were a too good. B had too much momentum and C probably most importantly have one of the top five players in the league. Yeah. Uh, I would argue in the world uh, that Grubauer guy, he's just, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we all know who we're talking about uh, big Nathan McKinnon. Um, you know, I, I if you take away the final scores, because I know they had a lot of empty net goals and things of that nature, um, but if you take away the final scores, if you watched every game, we weren't that far outplayed. It, it definitely seems like it, we were because we were swept and everything. But I feel, you know, had we not lost Perron to COVID or had we not been rattled right before because a couple of our players did falsely test positive uh bennington was one yeah. of them we didn't even know if he was going to be able to play the first game and i think that you know as a professional hockey player i cannot speak for them um but I, that has to rattle you especially when you are a goaltender of the mindset if you will of jordan bennington i i really think that that threw a wrench into everything, not having Perron. Um, you know, when you lose a point per game player, that hurts, you know? And, you know, th there could be a, a handful of other things that you point to. Our next episode, we'll talk about one Vladimir Tarasenko. Was he playing up to par? Was he not playing up to par because he was, you know, unhappy with the team? We'll never know at this point. But I really think that losing Perron was the start of the end. Unfortunately. I think it was. Now, you mentioned Bennington. Yeah. And if it's one thing that I'm going to have to say about him is you don't pin this on him. No. For You may look at the stat sheet in that round against Colorado and say, yeah, totally his fault. Look at his goals against average. 
it wasn't the case. That's not the complete tale of this whole story because he was literally carrying the team on his back the best that he could. Right. And if you look at commentators outside of this St. Louis market, they're saying and throwing up the red flag already that Bennington is inconsistent and is not even a top 10 goalie in the league. And I would have to vehemently disagree. Right. It Was he playing to the level of a Marc-Andre Fleury? No. But he was doing his damnedest. And there's something to be said about that. He was always giving 100%, even in the worst situation right. during these playoffs. You can't pin this on him. The way that I see it is, and I was talking to a very good buddy of mine uh, who I've talked about my, before, my buddy Matt. This 6 by 6 contract that he signed, if he keeps playing the way that he's playing, it's going to age well. Right. I, I can see that. Um, before I go any further, you really need to invite Matt onto this show. You talked about him so much. Everyone who listens to the podcast is probably thinking that he doesn't really truly exist <laughs> uh, or he's a mythological creature that, you know, just gives you good hockey advice. My guess is <laughs> the latter. I think, I, I don't think he's really mythological. Um, so we definitely need to have him on the show. Matt, if you're listening, I encourage you to invite yourself onto one of our podcasts. We'll be more than happy to hear you anyways. Um, no, I I don't – I agree he wasn't playing up to Marc-Andre Fleury levels because no other goalie in the league this year played that well. That's why he's a Vesna winner. Um, yeah. To not say he's a top-10 goalie, eh. You know, he, he's not the worst goalie in the world. He's not the best goalie in the world. So would I put him between 10 and 20? Sure. Of all the starters in the league? Yeah, absolutely. We made the playoffs on a very questionable, questionably healthy team this year. You know, things got dark, but we still made the playoffs. And that's all that you can ask for. It sucks that we got swept. That being said, I don't, I don't think we lost as hard in this series as Colorado won. You know, every, every, a lot of Blues fans are pinning mm -hmm. this on the Blues you know, whether it's Bennington or whether it's a lack of Perron, like I just did. Um, but no one's really giving a whole lot of credit to Colorado. At least in this town, right? At least, yeah, at least in this town. Everyone else across the country was like, yeah, we knew Colorado was going was gonna to win. And, and it seemed like the only person in St. Louis, I can't really say that because a lot of people thought they were going to win, but Ryan O'Reilly thought we were going to win for sure. Um yeah. So, but that's what the, kind of ate his own words, but that's okay. That's what you want your captain to say. You, you don't want your captain to say, no, we're going to play like dog shit and get swept in the first round. You know, if he would have said that, then, then we could have had someone else in captain and he wouldn't be a member of the blues. Uh, but speaking of Colorado, that's a team that many pen to go all the way and, and they didn't. Yep. They did. They, they absolutely didn't. And I think their window, not that it's closing per se, 
but when you lose Grubauer, who is <laughs> a top ten goalie in the league, that's that's got to hurt a little bit, right? So the big thing about Colorado is I think they were just gassed when they played Vegas. It just seemed to me that all the hard work that they were doing throughout the season, they were just falling flat on their face. In fact, their coach, through their star players, I think it was in the either the Game 4 or Game 5 post-game interview, threw them completely under the bus. Now, sometimes when you do that as a coach, that means that you're trying to light a fire under their asses, right? right. I think it demoralized him. I think it had the opposite effect. McKinnon didn't really show up. Landis Gog didn't show up. Their defense was only okay. And they were basically counting on Grubauer to be the guy. And you 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 need more than just your goaltender to show up in the playoffs. And I think it just all caught up to him. And let, let, let's be real here. Vegas had a loaded team this year. They had a loaded team just as much as Colorado did. It was kind of a slugfest. You could have flipped a coin and you wouldn't, you know, it, if you had to flip a coin between Colorado and Vegas winning, either one, you would be like, all right, I could see that happening. Yeah, I, I totally, I was totally thinking that uh, Colorado would do it just because I'm so salty towards Vegas. But <laughs> in, in the end, you can't argue that Marc-Andre Fleury had probably the best year of his career and was just standing on his head. I think, it, and we'll talk about free agency in another podcast, mm -hmm. but you kind of gave a glimpse of what's to come. I think Colorado's really going to miss Grubauer. I think them pulling off a trade for Darcy Kemper, it softens the blow. But you just can't necessarily replace a goaltender like that with somebody else that has played in an all-star level before but hasn't been as consistent. Speaking of free I, 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 speaking of free agents and trades and stuff like that, what we will get to in an upcoming episode, uh, Vegas is in that boat too. Um, you, you don't get rid of a Marc-Andre Fleury. I know it was for cap reasons, and we can dive more into that later. But I, th I think that they did him dirty, and I think that that's going to be a huge blow to the team, and I don't know if Leonard is the right choice. I think it was completely... I think it was a completely classless move. And to be honest... You know, I wanted to keep holding on to the fact that uh, Vegas was at least not going to be an enemy of the, the league, but here they are. They did something. They, he didn't find out about this until he saw it on his Twitter feed. Right. And, and from all accounts around the league, from all the teammates that he's ever played with, he's one of the most popular players in the league. He, he's one of the most likable guys. You know, he's always smiling. Even when, you know, when the camera zooms in on his face after a save or something, he's smiling and stuff like that. He doesn't have that, that, that abrasive steel wool mentality of, let's say, you know, a Bennington or, you know, back in the day, uh, uh, 
Patrick Waugh or Ed Belfour. He's lighthearted. He's he's kind of carefree on the ice, and you want that in a teammate, and you want a fun guy like that, even if it's just within your organization. You know, he might not be playing every game, but don't don't do Mark Andre Fleury that dirty. I mean, he was essentially made out to be the face of the franchise when he was uh, selected in the expansion draft. Right. That means that you hang around for more than just like three or three seasons or so. He could have ended his career there in Vegas, and he would have been greeted as a hero wherever he went in that town. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that organization. They had to make a tough call because they had they're going to be in cap hell for quite a while. Yeah. They had to make a tough call on which salary to shed. Personally, I would have shed Leonard's uh, contract and dealt him somewhere because you had a Vesna winner. I mean, they they completely botched it and I mean, there were reports that he didn't want to be in Chicago either, but he's kind of, I guess he's sucking it up and taking one for the team, but he'll be a free agent next year. He can go wherever he wants to because he doesn't really have any more to prove. Right. And and he's sucking it up because he's such a likable guy. He doesn't want to let anyone down, even if it's, uh, you know, Chicago Blackhawks and them picking up a guy like Flurry. I still don't like them. But I'm okay with – I don't want uh, Marc-Andre Fleury to be good against us. And I don't want him to find cup success with the Blackhawks. Um, but I hate them a little bit less. I could say that, right? I could say that in a Blues podcast. I hate them a little less. A sliver. Teeny tiny. A sliver. And we could probably – a, a sliver. So another thing that I, I definitely wanted to touch base on, um, you know, we can go through every single series and everything else like that, but I I don't remember a more controversial Stanley Cup playoffs as this one in regards to cheap, dirty hits, officiating minus the hand pass in, in 2019. It was just kind of a... It was an ugly Stanley Cup playoffs. We mentioned the Leafs a little bit earlier. I don't think that you cursed them. I think losing Tavares, that was the big one. Even though they, you know, yeah, it was completely fluky. I'm not the first one ever to to support uh, Corey Perry, but he had no idea that it happened. I actually felt bad for him because you don't want to, you don't want to be the guy. Who hurts Tavares that bad? I know Tavares did did the Islander organization dirty, but that was completely fluky. And he, you know, he had to drop the gloves right afterwards, and he didn't even want to, but he did because of some fucking unwritten code. Um, but you know that that was bad. And was it uh, in the in the Winnipeg series? Mark was it Mark Shifley? Yes. Ooh. It was my, that was probably, I would venture to say, even though that hit on Tavares was very grueling to watch, yeah. that hit that Shifley did on Evans, mm-hmm. that was dirty, that was classless, that was cheap. 
Yeah, I, I hated I it. I thought Mark Shifley was a respectable player, but that was cheap. Yeah, I, I hated it. And on an empty net, it's not good at any point in time. And we've gone on record by showing our distaste for, you know, for, for shit like that, especially with, um, you know, Tom Wilson and stuff like that. But that Shifley hit was disgusting and it was completely uncalled for. There's not, there's not any room for that in, in today's NHL. There never should have been any room for that in any NHL, but it, it was, it was sick and I did not want to see them win and their season, you know, came to an end shortly thereafter. So is it karma? I, I don't know, but that hit made me uneasy. Even thinking about it, I'm just like, uh, I, I, if we had a player that made a hit like that, I know Bortuzzo has done some really stupid stuff, but that was borderline disgusting. That was like Chara on yeah, Petra, and, uh, um, Pacioretty. And, and the thing about it, too, was Department of Player Safety really needs to up the ante on penalizing these cheap hits. They're not doing really a damn thing. In, in the grand scheme of things. Remember, uh, what was this, like 2014 or 2015, that uh, hit that Rafi Torres laid out? Yeah, that was on Hosa, right? Was, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think he was with the Sharks at the time. And they penalized him a half a season because of the hit itself and the fact that he was a repeat offender. Sure. I'm not saying that he needed to have 41 games banned awaiting him at the start of next season, but what I am saying is there should have been more than just a couple of games during the playoffs. There should have been some additional games during the regular season coming up mm -hmm. that he's penalized for because of the, the, the dirty hit that he laid out. Well, not as disgusting. I, I know we've already talked about uh, the Blues Avalanche series, but not as disgusting as the Shifley hit. I wanted to to kind of headline that one. Um, but the the hit from I almost said Tyler Bozak, uh, Nazem Kadri, you know, versus the Blues. I, yeah, you know, we're, was, I'm completely forgetting about that. How yeah. how in the world could I forget about that? And that was another one that the Department of Player Safety absolutely botched because he's a repeat offender. Sure. And that was definitely, oh, I, I, I want to drop an F-bomb on that, but that just makes me so fucking mad. I triggered you. Oh, my God, I triggered you. That was like the first time that I've triggered you on this <laughs> podcast. I love it. Um, Yeah, that, that, that was, a, that was a, just a, a disgusting hit as well. But he got suspended enough to where is he a a vital part of that locker room to where if they're missing him, you know, if he was in the lineup, would they have beaten Vegas? I don't know. I, I would like to think no. I don't think he makes that much of a difference. No. But, you know. What he probably, what he probably would make a difference for is – um, how many minutes served in the sin bin for uh, Vegas? So may have led to a couple more power plays for Colorado. I think 
you know, I know that the intensity ramps up in the playoffs and it makes for good hockey when this kind of stuff isn't, isn't being brought up. My hope is that one day the department of player safety will penalize someone the same for game one of the regular season as they would, you know, game three of the third round of the playoffs. I, I, I want there to be consistency in that because of the, the added temperature, the added, uh, you know, environment of the playoffs, the, just the atmosphere. I get that emotions run high, but a player like Kadri, the hit that Shifley laid on suspend them the same way you would, because someone is going to get their career, you know, completely ruined. What if who who got injured with the Kadri hit? Was it was it Bortuzzo? Yeah. Okay. So Bortuzzo, no offense, Bobby, you're not changing our lineup either. If we would have had you, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have made it out of the first round anyways. But had Bortuzzo been Sidney Crosby or Connor McJesus, sorry, Connor McDavid, um, what is would there be? a different levy of would there be a different level of suspension? I think, I think there's some inherent bias there, right? Mm-hmm. The, those players that you just mentioned, a Crosby or a McDavid, uh, even if McKinnon would do that, that's not his game though. Right. And it's, it's really not McDavid's game either. But if you're talking about one of those, or Ovechkin. Let's let, let let's just say it's Ovechkin, right? They're not going to levy heavy fine against that player because, well, they're one of the top players in the league, and if they have like a deep playoff run, that generates a lot more revenue. I think you misunderstood me. Kadri, let's say Kadri did not hurt Bortuzzo. Let's say Kadri hurt McDavid. Or Kadri hurt. Oh, Crosby. oh, sorry. Let let's cut that out. Let's count that out. And no, no, no. no. Re- it, it's re- no, because because it's good. It's good content. But say that one of those players were the ones who got injured because Bortuzzo is not a uh, a fan favorite. He's not afraid of, or not really afraid, but he doesn't shy away from Department of Player Safety. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. And, and I McDavid isn't either. He got suspended or he got a fine or something like that. Probably a $5,000 slap on the wrist, but he is Okay, So yeah, absolutely. Kadri, Kadri would get a lot more of a penalty if it was against a star player. Yeah. Like Torres on Hosa. It, it, it's basically the, I, I, I think you would have seen that suspension turn into probably again, because he's a repeat offender it would have been something like maybe the rest of the playoffs plus maybe about eight to 10 games at the start of the the regular season this coming season. Yeah. While I agree with you, I think that really highlights the inconsistency that we were talking about earlier. Uh, The department of player safety really needs to have a, um, I wouldn't say a rude awakening, but they need to really, I think George Peros needs to go. <laughs> I'll say that right now. Yeah. I, I, I think I think they need to get somebody in there that was operating like hate to say it. Brendan Shanahan was actually somebody that was the one that kind of set that department a little bit straight. 
Right. And it was it was hits that Torres put on um, that received attention, and they received the proper attention and the proper punishment. I think they need to get somebody in there that, first of all, isn't a former enforcer. Mm-hmm. And then second of all, understands that the game is trying to get safer. The, ca- the game's a lot more sensitive to concussions and other um, long-term injuries that if you do some kind of cheap hit, you're going to pay the price on it. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you're a star player or if it's or, or if you're somebody that is a hard-nosed blue liner like Ortuzo. So, actually, kind of perfect segue. You brought up Brendan Shanahan. Uh, he could be kind of viewed as an enforcer. Um, he was very skilled in his own, you know, scoring and setting up plays and stuff like that. But he was kind of a tougher player, especially um, whenever you compare him to today's NHL. He would be one of the more tougher players. Yeah. Being that he's tougher and being that, you know, he likes to sleep with his teammates' wives. Uh, he is also a member of that Toronto Maple Leafs staff, correct? President of hockey. Operations. I see where you're trying. I, I see where you're trying to go here. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Toronto again lost in the first round in a shocking way. Game seven again. They haven't made it out of the first round since 2003. Normally, I'm just like, yeah, okay, whatever. But they had a really good team. They were poised to make a run. They didn't. And one of the guys that I I, I like to watch online as far as a hockey personality, and you always bring him up, Steve Dangle, he was like visibly just tore up from the floor up. And I don't know. I don't know what the Leafs could have done, what they should have done, what changed. They seemed to pick up momentum after, um, after the injury to Tavares, and then they just couldn't close it. You have a team with Mitch Marner. You have a team with uh, you know Austin Matthews and his wimpy little mustache. Mr. Absolutely Mr. Matthews, the gills this year. Yeah, Mr. Matthews, please don't come after me for saying that. Um, you know, they, they had grit. They had defense. They had goaltending in Jim Campbell. Like, they had the entire package. And they lost. I, I don't I don't get it. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, of course, they lost to the eventual Eastern Conference champion. <laughs> and they'll get a banner for that. But uh, that's got to be heartbreaking for Toronto, a lot of Canada, you apparently. Sorry, I won't make that joke anymore, buddy. (laughs) I think the fact is it's you'd like to say, okay, this only happens in a video game because it's happened to me plenty of times when I've gone in the franchise mode in any in an AHL, whatever. Mm hmm. Load up a roster, you think you've got it, and then you get bounced out in the first round in very unceremonious fashion. 
The thing about Toronto, okay, so I wanted to laugh, but then I saw that Steve Angle video and I hurt because it's been 52 years, 53 years at this point since they've won, no, 54 years. It's a record. been that long since they won a cup and blues fans know how that feels true because it took us so long to win one the thing about this team it seems to me at least is they got complacent because they knew that they were so good and sometimes i i've heard this term used on multiple occasions multiple teams, including some of our St. Louis Blues teams, that we had lacked a certain killer instinct. Toronto did not have that this year because they knew that they had it made. What they need to do coming into this next season is they need to up that killer instinct. I look at their roster coming into next season and it's not as loaded as the last one. And you don't have a potential headline story of Joe Thornton maybe running into the riding off into the sunset, getting a cup in retirement. They needed to get players that have a killer instinct. I think they accomplished that to a certain degree. But that's where it really comes down to. When you have all that elite talent, you get complacent. And then you get caught with your skates unlaced, your pants down, and everything else that you want to say. And suddenly, the worst team that's in your bracket bounces you out. And very unceremoniously because it was four in a row. So, so is... I'm going to... I agree with you, but I'm going to throw something else at you with, with Toronto. Did they get complacent or was this just something that happens to decent teams like like Tampa Bay getting swept by by the Blue Jackets a couple years ago? Is it something that happens on a normal basis, but the hockey world has Toronto magnified so much that every little thing is scrutinized to death? Because I, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, good, I do too. good teams lose. We, the Blues lost for 50 plus years in a row. We had some shit teams. We had some awesome teams that should have won. Good teams just lose. And that happens. And, and the last thing that you want is, I think you, you, it's... you don't want to give an underdog team like the, the Canadians this year a fighting chance. And, and I agree with your killer instinct but again this this is not enough credit was given to montreal and i you know no one on the toronto maple leafs can even you know accidentally pick their nose without everyone in the hockey world knowing about it they are the most covered team in the league right they're the richest team in the league i mean if I'm not mistaken, they may still be the only NHL team that has a total value of over a billion dollars. 
the Rangers would like to have a word with you, but I digress. I think they're close, but I don't think they're a billion-dollar team yet. I think they're 1.4. So, of course, in the largest hockey market, what's that? I think they're 1.4 billion. The Rangers. Okay. I know Toronto is the first. We'll, For sure. So what, so what we'll do is we'll look it up. If it's right, we'll leave it be. If it's wrong, we'll do a fact check for next episode. <laughs> okay. No, but it goes back to the fact that when you're in Toronto, you're heavily scrutinized. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if it's in a good year, like this year wasn't up until the playoffs, or if it was something like blowing it up to get Matthews, like they did almost, well, just about five years ago. They're still heavily scrutinized. Right. It's, a, it's, a, it's always going to be a bit of a lose scenario for them. So, of course, yeah, when they lose like they did against Montreal, and they're he- heavily the favorites to win the Cup, they're going to be railed for it. But let's give credit where it's due. Montreal had a phenomenal run with an elite goalie that is probably Hall of Fame material. Stand on his head and show that he still has a lot of fire left to his game. Oh, yeah. Carey Price was the reason why Montreal went to the finals. Sure. I I don't. I will not take that away from from Carey Price. I think uh, when we when the Blues originally traded for Halak, and everyone in St. Louis was like, "Yeah, they got the good goaltender and everything else like that." Man, if if Carey Price was even an option then, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But man, that would have been cool. Things might not have played out the same. He may still be coupled. Well, I mean, there was a heavy debate there. Yeah. There was a heavy debate there. Who are they going to keep? Were they going to keep Halak or were they going to keep Price? Now, obviously, they made the right decision. Mm-hmm. And it showed this year. Absolutely showed this year. He's kind of been through hell and back. Um, He's had very good years within the last decade. He's had some injury-plagued years like the year before. Mm-hmm. It was good to see him get that far. I wanted to see him raise a cup. I would have been okay with that. Even though Corey Perry would have also raised that same cup. Yeah. I I think I would have been okay because Carey Price was going to raise it. Actually, and Shea Weber, too. And Shea Weber, Shea Weber may actually be done. Yeah. There are some reports saying that he could be. Yeah, I, I really hope not. You know, he brings such a... He brings such a calm, cool, collective defensive presence, even when he was with Nashville or, or, or the Canadians. You know, he's such a good goaltender, or such a good defenseman. And, oh, by the way, he's got the hardest freaking shot in the league, you know? Yeah, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go that. If you even paid me a billion dollars to go near that shot, I wouldn't take the money. A billion dollars is a lot of money. That's a Texas size. Ah, uh, that's, that's okay. Okay, maybe slight exaggeration, but still. <laughs> Hell, man! You offer me a freaking Big Mac and a Dr Pepper, and I'm, I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'll take a shot from Shea Weber. Um, 
<laughs> that's just that's my fat man demeanor. It's all good. Um, no, I would have liked to see Shea Weber win a Stanley Cup. I would have liked to see. Uh, wow, I almost said Corey Perry. Um, <laughs> Carrie Price win the Stanley Cup. There's other players in the league that I would be more upset if they did win the cup than Corey Perry. I know, I know we like to shit on Corey Perry, but I did not want to see Joe Thornton win the Stanley cup. I, I don't like Thornton and I did not want to see Petrangelo win when both of those two were, were bumped out. I was okay. The salt runs We're forgetting Mark line. Stone and we, well, <laughs> that go. Yeah. Mark Stone sucks too, but, there was already animosity grown between me and the Vegas Golden Knights anyway. So, yeah, we, we touched a little bit on, on the Canadians, but what about the flip side? Now, we have the Tampa Bay Lightning, repeat Stanley Cup champions. Mm-hmm. I was in Tampa, uh, Tampa, Florida for my vacation a little bit. Uh, I got to see the arena. I got to see all the buildings with the Stanley Cup. Uh, you know, banners and stuff like that. Like it was really cool to be down there. And yeah, that's really all I can say about seeing the arena. I didn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't show stopping. It was another building with the Stanley cup picture on it. Um, but that the Tampa Bay lightning, while they had a good team, they, I think this Stanley cup has another asterisk. Last season, they they won the COVID Bubble Cup. This season was another off year. And it wasn't just the schedule. It wasn't just who they played. But it was the salary cap circumvention that, I'm, that I have the biggest issue with. Granted, they could have one of their best players not on the ice the entire season and still win. So kudos to them. But they got a brand new, fresh Kucherov because of cap circumvention and LTIR really. Yeah, and they're kind of doing it again this year with you know with the trade that they made. I, I don't know the. I, I was really happy to see Maroon win again. I think in that series, I wanted Montreal to win. I wanted to see the Cup back in Canada. They have Joel Edmondson. They have. Uh, Jake, Jake the Snake Allen. Allen. You know, I, I I think I wanted to see Montreal win over Tampa Bay. It was one of those series where I, I'm not mad that they won, but man, it it feels kind of dirty. Like, I don't know, like they paid for it. It it does, it does, but I mean, it's not illegal, and that's there. That's the whole counter argument to what they did with Kucherov, right? Do I think it was necessarily right? No, I don't. I think they, I, they, they found a loophole. They took advantage of it, and they're not getting slapped on the wrist. But you don't see other teams do this type of cap dodging, right? Like they have. And you mentioned that this year they're kind of doing something a, a little bit akin to what they did last year. Except this time they acquired Brent Seabrook's contract to get a certain amount of money that they could actually just sweep under the rug. Right. So they can b- 
basically do the same thing. At some point, this is going to be addressed. Um, unfortunately, I don't think it will be really brought to the forefront until the next CBA, but this needs to be addressed. This is basically, you know what this is? This is this decade's version of um, the backloaded contracts that teams used to do where they would hand out like 15 or 17 year contracts to a player and then just backload the contract with money to circumvent the cap. Yeah. And that made us lose half a season because then the owners were bitching and complaining that they're spending too much money, even though they're the ones who signed off on the deals in the first place. Teams like Vancouver, they're, you know, Luongo, got traded a while ago he retired and what they still have a year or two left to pay for that yep yeah so absolutely you know they, they get burned i think nashville is gonna if shea weber does end up retiring i think they're gonna get hit with some cap penalties because of weber i think i read that somewhere i may have just made that up i don't know i'm i could see other teams trying to emulate what tampa did to make sure that they make a deep Stanley Cup run. So, I mean, that's really why the the cap was put into effect anyways, to kind of put some parity into the league and to also help the bottom teams. Now, there's teams like, you know, Phoenix. Um, you know, I, I can't think of any other, you know, the Florida Panthers come to mind. They don't have, they're, they're not a big money market team. They can't do this kind of stuff. So for the other teams nope. to be able to do this, you know, it, 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 it's kind of a slap in the face to the, to the CBA that's in place now, you know, granted, yes. Would 31 other GMs love to win the Stanley cup and they'll do anything they can to do that. Yeah. Do they like it? No, but if they were doing it, then they wouldn't be too upset about it. Tampa Bay was just able to do it. Now, can they three-peat? Nope. I don't think they will. You don't think so? And there's a... I, I think there is a simple reason behind this. First of all, even the second attempt in a row wasn't completely a walk in the park for them to do. True. They had a... They had to face an Islanders team that really gave them a run for their money, and it went down to the wire. It went down to Game Seven. Yeah, and they and they only managed to win by the score of one to nothing on on that game. If if for whatever reason New York had a little bit more puck luck, they may have gone. So I can't necessarily say in full confidence. I'm not going to that. Tampa is going to win another cup. You'll see another team hoist the cup next year. I hope so. With all the parity in the league, I really hope so. I hope it's not the Kraken. I have a feeling I'm going to like the Kraken just because of, you know, their their jerseys and everything. And they have a little bit harder time than Vegas did because a lot of the GMs were smarter about it. Again, I know I keep, we keep teasing the next episodes, don't we? You know, that's something that we can definitely dive into. Um, 
especially yeah. with some of the the former Blues that are on that team. And I really hope we see a new a new Stanley Cup winner. Would it be cool if Maroon can get four in a row? Yeah. <laughs> We're both. Well, he's on Tampa, so. I, I know, I know. I, I don't think that they're going to win a third time in a row. We'll see. I, I, I'm agreeing with you. I don't think that they do. And seeing some of the changes throughout the league, there's other teams that that kind of got stronger, you know? I, I think the Devils are going to – they they made some moves this offseason. And I know I said two years ago that they were that they were looking good. I think they're looking even better this year. They might not be done, which may actually be, and this may be a good segue into the next episode. What are we going to be talking about next episode? The New Jersey Devils are actually rumored to be one of those teams that would be interested in the services of one number 91, uh, current St. Louis Blue, Vladimir Tarasenko. And we have a lot to talk about with him don't we yeah uh I, I think the the new edition of the parental advisory intro that that joe recorded a few weeks ago uh, a few months ago now actually um that we kind of test marketed it in one of the earlier episodes and then we're going to play it from here on out um it's definitely going to stretch that i have a lot to say about tarasenko uh both good and bad like really bad. So, I, I'm I, I'm I'm gonna be honest. Just to set this up, there are not gonna be a lot of kind words that are thrown around next uh, podcast. I I think I can speak for both Chris and myself. We're pretty upset, and you'll find out why. So I'm going to leave that back to Chris here so um, we can try to uh, end this and uh, try to at least put uh, to leave this one on a bit of a pleasant note. Absolutely. So, you know, without further ado, typically, you know, Joe, do you have anything else besides, you know, teasing that Tarasenko show? You know, I think I'm good. I think you're good. All right. Uh, you, yeah. you definitely look like your, your sinuses and allergies are starting to, uh, to creep up on you again. So, uh, yeah, I, know. I, I think it's a, I think it's a good time to wrap this up. Um, typically we, we like to thank someone in the blues organization. Um, I think, I think for this episode, I'm just going to say thanks for, thank you, Maroon, Patrick Maroon, big rig, number seven. Thanks for representing St. Louis. Uh, you rank right up there with gooey butter cake and toasted raviolis and Emo's pizza. And damn it, three Stanley Cups in a row is awesome. So hats off to you, my friend. Yeah, I, I've got to say, well, he's chubby and he's damn effective. Damn effective. Because he brings a, he brings a team a cup. Absolutely. Maybe we maybe we can get him back at some point, and maybe we can have that same luck. There you go. Oh, and also, congratulations, Pat Maroon, on expecting your second child. I think it's your second child. Uh, so, 
you know, you got a you got a third Stanley Cup and a second kid on the way. So congrats, big guy. Pretty lucky guy, isn't he? Absolutely. So the last thing that we want to do, I don't think I can make it through one episode without pumping the brakes of uh, Matt and Stephen Webster. Um, you know, very good friends of the podcast uh, of this podcast, and uh, just a just a delightful couple guys. Uh, just about two hours ago, we recorded an episode of Sucktastic Cinema, and we we talked about Street Fighter the movie. So if you have an affinity for downright shitty movies, uh, if you like to hear two guys talk about you know pop culture and, and things of that nature who actually know what they're talking about, um, go on over, see them. Same major podcast platforms that you can find our podcasts on. Uh, they are Sucktastic Cinema. Um, I had an absolute blast recording with them, and it got me super pumped to record this episode. Uh, Joe, you look like you're chomping at the bit to say something good about the Websters. This podcast, and I, I'm going to just pimp it out a little bit. This is one of my favorite podcasts to listen to other than, well, your pleasant voice on this particular one that we do oh um no seriously though i really enjoy this podcast uh they they used to do one as well called the radcast but this one it kind of is very near and dear to me it's got a very similar format if you're very familiar with uh, mystery science theater 3000 i think you would absolutely love this podcast because that's exactly what they like to do. They like to riff on bad movies, whether they're both, whether they're endearing or they legitimately deserve it. And I think for this particular one that we just did, it deserved it. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, and I'm, I don't know if I've ever said this out loud or specifically to them. So I know they'll probably hear this and they'll be like, oh, Chris, you're so sweet. Um, you know, a few years ago when I originally came up with the idea of doing, you know, a podcast or two with their, with the podcast that they were working on with a uh, proper gentleman and then, and then the Radcast, you know, I, I kind of look up to them as a good source of, you know, of confidence of, you know, like what I want to be able to do. They're just so good at their craft. And, you know, again, if, if you like what we do, you're absolutely going to love what, what Matt and Steven do. Uh, again, check them out. Sucktastic Cinema. Find them wherever. They're on social medias. Uh, give them a check out. So with all that being said from all of us here at From the Point, can I get a let's go blues? Good night, everybody. Later.